Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Well, today, you know what? We're going to be talking about oppositions. In an astrological chart, we see a configuration called an opposition. It means that two distinct energies in that chart are acting in opposition to each other. And we'll talk later about what that might mean. Well, we have all kinds of oppositions in our lives, both internal and external. Betrayals, enemies, inner conflicts, closed doors, terminated relationships, our own inner demons, and many more things come up in opposition to where we'd like to go or who we'd like to be. What do we do when these things come up? How can we walk into and through such an opposition while maintaining a healthy spirituality? Do such oppositions mean that we are somehow on the wrong path? Are they meant to punish, teach, or otherwise admonish us? Well, today we're going to explore these oppositions for the mystery of their mystical meanings. So you want to stay here for this. So let's talk first about astrological chart. I don't know how many of you are familiar with an astrological chart. I know that that buzz is going around, and there's a lot of people who believe that this, uh, if they read their horoscope in a newspaper or a magazine, that that's all they need to know. But actually, astrology runs much deeper than that, and it can be authenticated uh, uh, by by looking deeper than just a horoscope. A horoscope is just a sun sign, so that just tells you where your sun is. It doesn't tell you where your moon is or your Mars or your Mercury or your Jupiter or your Uranus or your Pluto or your Neptune or any of that. It tells you just where your sun sign is, so how can it be accurate? It can't. Uh, plus, it takes a sun sign for a whole group of people and says for those all those people, that same, same prophecy is going to be true, which is, of course, ridiculous. But anyway... A lot of people buy that horoscope thing, and a lot of people say that, uh, that that's all there is to astrology. But uh, like I said, there's much more than that. So when you see an opposition in a chart, that means that two planets are exactly opposite each other, meaning they're 180 degrees apart. And what that means is that they, are, uh, they, they, they seem to be working in, in opposition to each other. But actually what happens as a person evolves into their life is those energies go more and more to the center, and so you begin to I- incorporate both energies in some kind of a way that allows you to live them both out, um, and that what that means is you're becoming more whole. And so that's how it works in a, in a chart, and that's the best way to work with that energy in an opposition is to see if you can't incorporate both energies and, and be with both energies in a way that creates wholeness. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, because that's the mystery of the mystical. Wholeness is the mystical outcome of our lives. We are we are headed toward wholeness, and um, but there's all kinds of other ideas out there that tell us, you know, that we're we're separate from the divine. We're separate from aspects of ourselves. We're separate from each other. We die, and that's that, and uh, that. So we're eternally separate from other people that we love. There's all kinds of separation ideas out there. But today, what we're going to be talking about is wholeness, not separation. So let's look at some of these kinds of oppositions that come up in our lives and talk about what we can do about them. So one of the things that really bothers us the most in terms of an opposition is a a betrayal. 
And I will say to you uh, that that's one of the hardest things that we can go through. Somebody who loves us ends up betraying us in some kind of way. Perhaps they uh, cheat on us in a, in a marital relationship or a partnership. Um, uh, perhaps they uh, end up telling some terrible lies about us or they, uh, they um, take a job we wanted or something like that. So uh, when, when those kind of betrayals take place, what we tend to think is is that the that person has now become an enemy. That person has now become somebody who's against us. But what we can do with that betrayal is amazing, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Right now, what I want to do is talk about this whole thing of of blame, uh, because that's that's the first thing that we've been taught to do about uh, these kind of oppositions. We we've been taught to believe that they that somebody's to blame. We blame other people. We say that they're bad people for doing these things to us, and we become therefore victimized by their betrayals or by their enmity. We we uh, we blame um, God. We blame the divine, um, and however you see the divine, and we blame ourselves. One of the most dangerous of these kinds of blames is to blame ourselves, um, because. What that means is that that we are uh, not looking for personal responsibility, but personal blame, and there's a big difference. Personal responsibility means that I'm, I am, re- I can respond to my own abilities, that I have the capacity to respond to my own abilities, and uh, and that I do. And so what that means is that I I can uh, take hold of the things that I can do, and do those things. But there are, there's a limit to what I can do on this planet. I can't control other people's behavior, for example. I can't get them to behave right. I can't get them to change. I can't talk them into changing. I can't uh, wheedle and manipulate and, and get them to be different. I can't do those things. If they change, it will be because they chose to change. And generally speaking, change is a result of suffering. Generally speaking, we don't change because we just want to. Uh, uh, we don't change because somebody shames us into changing. We don't change because somebody else manipulates us into changing. We change because we're in pain, and we're in so much pain that we have to look in the mirror and say, oh, this is my problem. I'm going to have to do something different. Not you're going to have to do something different, or they're going to have to do something different, or the world's going to have to do something different, or God's going to have to do something different, but I'm going to have to do something different. And that kind of pain... Uh, can be a pretty crushing blow because it, it's it's not the kind that will tolerate blaming other people. It, it it forces us to have to look in the mirror, and so and that's one of the ways that oppositions can help us. They can force us to look in the mirror, um, and and again we'll talk some more about that in a minute. But one of the one of the spiritual teachings that's out there today and has been out there since the late 1980s is the law of attraction. Now, I say there's a false law of attraction and there's a true law of attraction. If you read my book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, you'll find out about the true law of attraction. But the false law of attraction tells us that what we think is, uh, you know, what's going to happen to us. So one of the things that happens when we meet an opposition, when we believe in the law of attraction, is that we start going, oh, I must have been thinking some negative thoughts, and that's why this negative thing has come into my life. And that's because we have divided all of life up into negative and positive, just in the same way 
that some religions have divided all of the world up into good and bad, good and evil. So it's just a new word for the same energy. Negative is bad, positive is good. Negative is evil, positive is good. So, you know, we, we can come down to that same split off in our consciousness by, because we've decided what is good and what is bad. And the truth is that we can look at anything on this planet and decide what it is based on our own preferences, based on what we want in our life, based on how we've been raised, based on our religion, based on all kinds of other things. But does that make it so? Is a thing negative because we say it is? Is the thing bad because we interpret it to be bad? Is the thing positive because we say it is? Is the thing good because we interpret it to be good? I don't think so. I think those are just labels we put on things. So given that reality, then everything is neutral. And we have to decide how we're going to use it. And that that is part of how we deal with oppositions, by making it neutral. By saying, okay, this thing has happened. It is real. Now what am I going to do with it? Not, oh my God, this thing has happened. It's horrible, terrible, awful, and no good. I must have done something to deserve this, or somebody else must have done something, or I must have been thinking some negative thoughts, uh, or God must be punishing me, or something must be happening here out of which I'm out of control, and and I'm not able to, to get it to be fixed because it's just so bad and so awful. So when we think that way, we keep ourselves stuck in uh, sometimes stuck for years in the problem, bargaining with it, trying to get it to be good, or trying to get it to be ourselves to to work around this whole idea of being a victim. Um, on the other hand, when we blame ourselves by saying, I must have been thinking some negative thoughts that created this negative outcome, what we're actually doing is saying that we don't have to go any deeper than a thought to come up with a reality. If that were so, every thought that we think would produce a reality, and we know that's not true. There's many, many, many things we worry about on a daily basis that never happen. Um, There's many things that we think about that never occur. I mean, how many times have you thought about winning the lottery and you haven't? So some people would say, well, that's because you're not thinking about it hard enough. You know, you need to think about it more often. You need to visualize it. You need to put that, you know. Uh, and I and I, I would say that there's people who worry about things, terrible things happening to them for years, and those things never happen. Um, so it doesn't matter how much energy you put into that thought. If it's not a genuine reality, it's not going to happen. So I remember uh, when I was a child, and I put this in my this book, The Law of Attraction, that I wrote this story that I'm about to tell. Um, when I was a child, I was, you know, 11, 12, somewhere in there, one of my jobs was to empty the trash can. And I didn't very commonly empty the trash can. I didn't do my job. I was supposed to, and I didn't, and I would put it off till the evening came. And then my mother would say, you didn't empty the trash can. You have to go do it now. And I was scared to go through the backyard into the alley to empty the trash can where the, the alley was where we kept our garbage cans. And, um, so I would run to the to the uh, garbage can, look back and forth behind the fence where the garbage cans were and try to, you know, um, scoot around to look and see if anybody was back there. And then I would throw the trash at the trash can and run back to the house. And the whole time I was running back to the house, I used to think that that, that this man was on my heels trying to reach me and grab me and he was going to take me away and kidnap me and kill me and all those terrible things. And all of that happened over and over and over again because I continually refused to empty the trash cans. I don't know why I did that, but there it is. 
And uh, I continued to have that same awful fantasy every night that I had to empty the trash can at dark. Uh, but it never happened. There was never a man in the do- in alley. There was never anyone wanting to hurt me. And I was certainly putting a lot of energy into that thought. And I should have manifested that man. But he was never there. And that's just one example of many of how it is that we think that just thought alone is enough to bring us to negative consequence. And it isn't. It just isn't. Um, what the true law of attraction is, and if you look the, look at the book, the true law of attraction is we're attracted to and by all of those things, people, places, events, and circumstances that are going to bring us to more and more awareness of who we are as the divine beings, of who we are as an authentic self, as a soul, as a divine being. So that that that's the truth of what goes on with with uh, with regard to the law of attraction. And so, when we look at it from that perspective, then an opposition is yet another opportunity to become more fully aware of who we are as an authentic being, as a divine being. And so, how then can we turn an opposition into an opportunity to to be more true to who we actually are? Well, all right, let's look again at betrayals. So, uh, betrayal is where somebody, as we said, lies about you or cheats on you or, or somebody who you love and respect turns into somebody you don't know. That's one of the things that happens with betrayal. We, we look at them after that and go, I never even knew you. How could you be this other person I didn't know? Um, so, okay, so betrayal is a, is a very, very hurtful. It's very wounding. So we, 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 we are crushed by the blow that this person that we loved and respected could be this harsh, this wounding. And and we just don't know what to do with that. But what actually a betrayal does is send us flying back into the self for comfort, for truth, for us a look at the self. Because we have to go, how did I miss this? How did I not see that this person might betray me? We also have to go... You know, what can I see in the future? Maybe I didn't see it this time, but maybe I can see it next time. We also have to to ask ourselves, what was it in the relationship that could have set up a betrayal? Um, we also have to ask ourselves questions like, what do I do with this wound? How do I carry this wound and yet and 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 honor it by grieving with it and still not allow it to to keep me from becoming who I actually am? Um, these are deep and hard questions to answer, but betrayals can make us do that. And so we've taken the opposition now, which looks like enemies, two different people on two opposite sides of the fence who seem to be uh, taking from each other, and we give energy to each side of that equation, and therefore we become more true to who we are. So that we're not looking at the other person like, oh, you're such a horrible person. I hate your guts and I never want to see you again. It's more like we're looking at that person and saying, um, I'm going to try to understand what happened here. And uh, that doesn't mean we're not going to have some anger. We are going to have some anger. There's no doubt about it. And anger is not a bad feeling. It's not a negative feeling. It's, it's one of those feelings that comes straight up out of the I am. And it says, I am here and I am real and I matter. And it says it to us, for us, and about us. And I've done some uh, some uh, other shows on anger, and you'll hear those if you look back. Um, but if but what I'm saying just briefly here today is that anger is very, very useful to us. 
in uncovering the authentic self. So you will have some anger with the betrayal. You may have some anger with any kind of opposition. Yet, yet that anger itself can get us more in touch with the authentic self because it comes from the authentic self. It wants to protect us. It wants to say, wait, wait, let's, let's, let's do, figure this out so that we can protect you so this won't happen again. So it's very important to honor that anger when an opposition comes up. Oppositions can also make us want to duck and, and run and hide and not ever participate in the world again. It may make us even want to die, not really want to be here because it's just too hard. Um, and, and so I very commonly work with clients who say, no, I'm not thinking about a way to kill myself, but it would be nice if somebody would just off me, uh, or if I could just leave, you know, I wouldn't have to do anything about it, but I, it'd be nice if I could just check out because I'm tired of being here. It's too hard. So it, it can be very, very difficult. Um, and when we are confronted with the potential of our own death, it does make us ask the important questions about life. It makes us say, well, what, what am I here to do? What am I doing that's real? And how, how can I do more of that and less of what's not real? Um, how can I do more that gives me joy and less that gives me a feeling of, of anger and angst and, and uh, unfulfillment? Um, so, so that's how these oppositions can help us. Enemies are another form of opposition, and we'll spend a lot of time talking about that, but just briefly, an enemy is somebody who's against you. Um, in the Old Testament of the, of the Christian Bible and the uh, Tanakh of the Jewish Bible, the word Satan is often used for an accuser of any kind, a man, a woman, a child, a donkey, uh, an animal, a bad event, any kind of, of accuser, any kind of opposition that accuses. Um, and, and so it's not really a... Um, a big entity called the devil, it's really just anything that is against us. And so these oppositions are against us, and they, they, they uh, ask us to grow into some center point. Um, instead of go, uh, staying on the outskirts of the circle, they grow, ask us to come to the center of that circle. Uh, and uh, so we talked about the configuration that's called an opposition in an a- astrological chart, Think of that in terms of a mandala in your own mind, that a mandala, a circle, with two opposite energies on either side of the, uh, of the uh, mandala, and, and that what you want to do is kind of take energy from each one of those oppositions and bring it to the center point of that chart. And that's you. You are the center point. And that, that's how we, we work with that opposition. So an enemy is somebody who seems to be on the other side of the chart. He seems to be against us. He doesn't like us. He wants to hurt us. He wants to, he's either jealous of us or threatened by us or something, and he wants to harm us. And we don't know what to do about that. And we're scared and we want to run and we want to get away from it. And we are angry and we feel betrayed and we feel victimized and we're just, it's just awful. So what do we do with that? Well, I'm going to leave you hanging right there while we go and take a commercial break. And we'll be right back and talk about what we do with that place. We'll be right back after this. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle 
with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Don't you just wish sometimes that life could come with a do-over button? We'd probably use it a lot more than we think. What if there was one do-over button you could use each week? Make that place the Voice America Empowerment Channel for Code to Grace, the Empowered Women's Guide to Life, with host Marilyn Mosier. Marilyn and her guests will help you find the key to break free from the chains of your life and start anew. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to live the life of inner peace that you deserve. Tune in every week for Sacred Exploration with host Lisa Tremont Oda. You can discover the you that has been kept hidden all this time. Show off your personal gifts to the world. Lisa and her guests will combine health and spirituality to bring you the experience that you've been waiting for. You'll enjoy this journey every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's sure to be a nourishing experience. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about oppositions and what we do with them and how we can draw the mystical meaning from them. And what we've said thus far is that an opposition is an energy that seems to be opposite from us, that seems to be pulling us away from ourselves, pulling us away from what we want in our lives, pulling us away from who we would like to be in our lives. And yet, those very oppositions are actually opportunities to become greater, a much greater aware of who we are as divine beings. So, uh, we were talking about enemies in that form of opposition, and I left you hanging there on that cliff of anxiety of, uh, you know, with that ter- those terrible feelings of knowing that somebody's out to get you. Somebody's really trying to do harm to you. And uh, you may know somebody like that. You may, you may have had encountered people in your life like that. I certainly have a couple of times in my life. I've had a couple of different situations where uh, some people were really, truly enemies. They did want to harm me. And um, it can create all kinds of anxiety, and it can also draw you closer to the divine. And that's what it did for me. It made me uh, draw in closer to the divine and trust more in the divine so that I was more able to, um, to know that, that I was being taken care of by the divine and that the enemies were part of that taking care of me and that it was all going to work out fine. And so I saw several different miracles during that time that really were pretty astounding um, h- how they happened. I stayed there in that uh, that situation until I learned all that I could learn from it, and then I, then it was time for it to be over, and it was over. Um, so I can definitely look back on those periods of time and say those were those were some of the times that I grew the most, that I became closest to to the divine, um, that I was able to uh, know myself at a deeper level, 
that I was able to to develop skills that had previously been repressed and become a different person. I look back on the life, I, the person I was before those enemies came into my life and the person I was after those enemies came into my life and I was a completely different person. And the reason was I was a much more authentic person after the enemies than I was before the enemies. I'd been hiding aspects of myself. Um, even I would say maybe unconsciously pretending to myself that I didn't have certain abilities that it turns out I did have. And, and um, one of those was to speak up for myself. One of those was to stand up not only for myself but for the people that I was protecting and to, uh, to stand there in that and, and, and be strong even though sometimes I was literally physically shaking because I was so afraid. Um, I was able to still speak up for myself and even think quick on my feet at certain times. And uh, that presence with myself has never left me since that time. I still have that capacity to speak up for myself in the moment, in the present, uh, be quick on my feet and, and catch what's really going on in the moment rather than waiting till you know, 10 minutes, two hours, three days after it happens to go, oh, that's what was happening and wish that I had said something different. I learned how to not do that. I learned how to be present in the moment during that time. So uh, those enemies really did teach me to to go inside myself and find my own inner resources. And there is no greater strength than that to be able to find your own deepest self and access the resources that are there. It's like a river that's flowing underneath a city that nobody knows about until somebody drills down to find it. And enemies can definitely make us drill down to find it because they force us to have to come up with skills that we didn't know we had before or strengths that we didn't know we had before. So that's a way in which the enemy becomes a part of the process, uh, and I consider it to be a divine process. I consider it to be a divinization process, which if you read the Law of Attraction, you'll see much written about that. Uh, The book that I wrote called The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. uh, our divinization process is one in which we, were be- we are becoming more and more aware of who we are as one with the divine. And what one with the divine means is that we're becoming more and more divine. We just say that out loud. A lot of people are afraid to say that out loud, but I'm going to say that out loud because that's what it's about. We're becoming more and more divine, more and more aware of our divine nature. So uh, the, uh, those enemies uh, can really be a part of that process. And will we have anger during that time? Yes. Will we have fear during that time? Yes. Will we have other emotions, maybe even hate during that time? Yes. All kinds of things will come up in the emotional realm at that time. And we can accept those emotions as part of the, uh, the, the, the opposition. And so that's where our own inner conflicts come into being. So our inner conflicts can be also act as oppositions to us. We can tell ourselves that we should not have those kinds of emotions. You know, we shouldn't feel, quote-unquote, negative feelings for other people. We should never hate other people. And I'm certainly not in favor of, of bias and, and uh, bigotry and misogyny and all kinds of forms of hate that are lasting. But I think every now and then most of us have feelings of hate sometimes. We have to work through those feelings um, and get to the other side. And if we do that, we become bigger and stronger and more more in love with life and more in love with other people than we ever were before. Um, So hate is another opportunity for us to grow. It's not meant to stay and become part of our action towards others. It's meant to be an emotion that we work through and get to the other side of. 
Um, and uh, so our inner conflicts are also opportunities to become more aware of who we are. So an inner conflict looks like this. I see myself as a good person, and I see this thing inside me as bad. And, and I don't want this thing inside me, and I'm trying to make it go away. I'm trying to repress it. I'm trying to send it away. I'm trying to think it away. I'm trying to believe it away. I'm trying to push it away. I'm trying not to think about it. I'm just trying really, really hard to make that negative thing inside of me go away so that I can be the good person I think I am. But you see, the whole problem is that I think that I'm a good person and that, that this other thing is a bad thing. And, and that good-bad thing is one of the things that splits us off so many times from our capacity to actually become a whole person. And that's what I wrote about in the last book that I wrote that came out last year in August called Letting Go of Good. Uh, and, and it's all about how we identify with goodness. And we think goodness is who we ought to be. And therefore, we try to push away or repress anything that we think of as bad. And in the process, we're not becoming the whole beings that we're meant to be. So every emotion, everything that is within us can be useful toward bringing that opposition to that center point in the Mandela that we talked about in the chart, the, uh, the astrological chart. If you have two opposites in an astrological chart, what we want to use do is use both energies to get us to the center point, to get us to a place where we can utilize both energies, and, and that makes us whole. Whereas we try to always push one energy away, which we're never going to be able to do because it's going to stay right there in our chart, uh, we need to, uh, we, we'll always be in a battle with ourselves, and that will keep us stuck. So an inner conflict can keep us stuck if we keep fighting it and fighting it. Instead, what we need to do is try to receive both sides of the inner conflict, try to see if we can't receive both sides. And, and what that means is, is that we're no longer in a battle with ourselves. It's no longer a conflict now. It's just a journey. Um, be, uh, uh, looking at both energies, looking at both sides of this equation and, and trying to t- take from both the gift they have to give. So in the book, Letting Go of Book Good, I spend a lot of time talking about how different emotions can help us, what messages they have to give us, and how they can give us uh, greater wholeness. So if you want to learn more about that, there's uh, several chapters written on that in that book, and uh, I would encourage that read as well. So... These inner conflicts uh, don't stop us up unless we stop and don't and keep continuing the fight. We're just continuing the fight and fight, 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 fight instead of um, trying to receive those different energies. Closed doors are another form of opposition. Um, an opportunity seems to come along, and we go after it, and then it slams in our face, and we are not able to to take on that opportunity, and we're disappointed. And we want to blame the divine, and we want to blame ourselves, and we want to blame other people, and we want to say life isn't fair, and we, we want to sulk <laughs> because it didn't give us what we wanted. But what I found to be true in my life, and I think others have found this to be true as well, you may have also uh, uncovered this reality, and that is that what is mine will, be, will become mine. What is truly mine will become mine. What is not truly mine is not ever going to be mine. And so, you know, if I I missed an opportunity. So in that time I was telling you about a little while ago when I had uh, an enemy, a couple of enemies at the same time, um, uh, I was working in an organization where the boss was one of my enemies and uh, was, and, uh, was creating a lot of havoc for both me and several employees. 
and uh, and uh, um, I ended up being a whistleblower in that situation, and uh, was very glad to have done that. But uh, what was happening in the, in that time was that, as I said, I was building more faith. I was building more of uh, the truth into my life. I was understanding life better. I was coming to terms more with my own inner strengths, my own abilities. And uh, um, what happened was I tried to find several jobs during that time. I was looking, looking, looking. I was looking all over the United States for a job. Didn't get any nibbles, didn't get any nibbles. And I finally got a couple of nibbles but I had to go back to this, uh, to these, to this place about to about eight different interviews, because they were looking at me for different, very several different jobs, and so I had to go back to for several different interviews. And they finally did hire me, and they hired me just the day before the guy that was my enemy was going to fire me. So it was very interesting that that's how it happened. That it seemed that that uh, no opportunity was going to open for me until I learned everything that I was supposed to learn from that other job and from the enemies that were working with against me at that point. So, um, yeah, that's very commonly how it happens. We're just, we're sp- there's something we're getting from that difficult situation and we want out of it, but we and we want out of it now, but there's something that it's giving us and we're just not going to get out of it until it's time for us to get out of it until we've gained from that the gift it means to give us. And uh, so uh, so if we can trust that, if we can trust that process, then closed doors don't seem to be such an, uh, op- op- an opposition. They seem to be another opportunity for us to get to know deeper aspects of ourselves and uh, learn more about our strengths, learn more about our capacities, learn more about our our, our own inner truth, learn more about uh, our relationship to the divine in whatever way we see that, and uh, to take that home with us in a way that changes us at, at the core so that we are transformed by that, in a, by that closed door. The same is true of uh, terminated relationships. You know, we have, this in this day and age, relationships come and relationships go. And we're learning a lot. I, I really think that this this period of time in the history of a human being is a time when we are coming to understand love for the very first time in the history of the world. Uh, prior to this, 150 years ago, most marriages all across the globe were arranged marriages. Not all, but most were arranged marriages. And what that means is that they were arranged for money, financial deals, dowries, land, Good teeth, good hips. How many children a woman might produce to uh, to farm the land? Um, all kinds of things were used as uh, uh, leverage for building a, a marriage contract, and um, so they weren't made out of love. And what what people were told was that well, you'll learn to love your partner. Well, that often didn't happen. Very often. There were marriages that were based in terrible abuse, um, with the very commonly the man abusing the woman, but not always. And uh, there were also uh, gay and lesbian relationships back then as well. And so there was abuse back then as well. So uh, sometimes with those relationships as well, uh, but those relationships were more commonly built out of love than out of uh, any kind of arranged relationship. So. Um, that's one of the things that the GLBT population is teaching us is about love and why you, you would give up all kinds of societal um, 
acceptance in order to just have and be in love with the person you're with. And that's one of the one of the things they have to teach us, which is a really good thing. But so during this time, what's happening is now we're not arranging marriages so much. And like the gay and lesbian population, we're falling in love and we're getting married because we love someone. And we're committing to that person because we love them. And what's happening as a result of that is we're having to figure love out. We're having to figure out what it means to really love someone for a lifetime and what, you know, what draws us to that person, what allows us to stay, what kind of work we need to do in the relationship to bring that relationship to its fulfillment. You know, what does it take to be in love and stay in love for a lifetime? What does, it, what does that mean? And what we're discovering, what research is beginning to show us and what we're discovering is that it is intimacy. We fall in love and we begin to create a really, truly intimate relationship where both parties truly know each other's authentic selves. And as they do and bring their authentic selves to the table, they build the relationship and it grows stronger and stronger and stronger rather than weaker and weaker and weaker. And uh, so uh, that's one of the things we're learning to do now. And I, I think that probably the generation after this next one is going to know a lot more about loving relationships than we do. I think we've seen a change in the kind of TV shows that uh, show family on TV, like This Is Us Now is a, a rich, richly emotional connect show that shows us about emotional connection. It shows us all about what that means to be emotionally connected to someone, even when we're not, you know, always doing the right thing or when we screw up or when we, you know, when we hurt someone's feelings or those kinds of things, we're figuring out what that connection really is all about in spite of those other problems that we have. So I think we're seeing that shift slowly take place, that we're learning to understand love. And what is that coming from? It's coming from losing relationships. It's coming from, oh, a relationship didn't work out because we didn't have that kind of intimacy. Perhaps we didn't even have that kind of compatibility. And so now I'm going to have to work on what it is to be, uh, to find a relationship with somebody I can really be with who really gets me, who I really get, who we can really understand each other and be present with each other and be safe enough to be authentic with each other. So uh, that's a piece of what we're getting and picking the right partner and then learning how to stay with the right partner. So that came about as a result of an opposition. All of that learning came about as a result of an opposition and the opposition was terminated relationships. So, you know, that again, it's another opportunity for us to become more whole both as a collective and as individuals. Uh, we're learning about love as a collective. And we're, this period of time we're going through as a collective right now where there's so much hate, so much bigotry, so much misogyny, you know, so much talk about violence, so much violence. Uh, we're learning that uh, love is the greater, the bigger thing and that, that, you know, there's so many other voices speaking out and talking about love and talking about compassion and and we may even change our politics because we learn to love better. And I, I, I'm really hoping that's going to happen. We're going to see that shift take place soon, hopefully. Um, but uh, in the meantime, we're, we're in the process of learning. And we've got to look at our shadow side before we can look at the bright side, before we can say we are the America we thought we were. So, again, an opposition is helping us to grow. All right, so we're going to talk about our inner demons more right after the break, and so you want to stay tuned for that because that's an important piece of our oppositions, our own inner demons that come up to oppose us sometimes. So we'll be right back after this break.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building. Yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success. And every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you ready to tackle the rules of business? You may think you're doing everything by the book, following your own best practice beliefs, bringing in endless consultants, only to find that your business is not moving forward. That's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong. Enter Business Rules with host Peter Feinstein. Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today again about oppositions, what that means and what that what we can do to draw out the mystical meaning of an opposition. And what we've said basically so far is that an opposition is meant to draw us to a center point within ourselves so that we become more aware of who we are authentically, so that we are uh, fully involved in the divinization process, which is one in which we're becoming more and more aware of our, our authenticity, our soul, our spirit, however you want to think about that, um, our divine nature. Um, so that uh, oppositions don't mean that we're on the wrong path. They don't mean that we've done something wrong. They don't mean that we're uh, thinking negative thoughts and therefore we've drawn some negative thing into our life. They don't, are not meant to punish us. There is no such thing as punishment. That's a man-made concept that we've anthropomorphized onto the divine and decided that that's what's happening to us. When bad things happen, it must be the divine. Um, and all you have to do to get the real full meaning of that is read the book of Job in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible or, or the, um, the Jewish Tanakh that, where we really, Job begins to really explore uh, his own feminine side, which is his inner world, his inner self. And that is what he does with that opposition that happens in his life, those many oppositions that happen in his life that help him to become more aware uh, that he's been looking at the divine in all the wrong ways. And what he begins to see is that the divine actually is a, 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 a 
can be found inside of him and is a part of him and not he's not separate from the divine and that he can he can uh, be inside his own nature and experience the divine that way and uh, in so doing he understands a feminine aspect and at the end of the book you see that he names the daughters not the sons and he gives the daughters property which is unheard of in that time and so what he's it's showing there through that that um, metaphor is that he is um, he's honoring the feminine in himself in ways that he had not done before. Um, and I talk about that in, um, I believe that's in uh, Inhabiting Heaven Now. Um, I talk about that book, and, and so if you want to read more about that, you can read that in the, uh, one of my books called Inhabiting Heaven Now. Um, and uh, that's exactly what we're talking about here today with this, these oppositions that they're meant to help us to inhabit heaven now. Uh, they're meant to help us to get to a place within us where we're living in our souls. Um, so, uh, we t- said we'd talk about the inner demons, and so I want to talk about uh, Thomas More's, one of Thomas More's books that I've mentioned in previous uh, shows, and I'm going to have him back on the show again sometime soon. He's got a whole series of uh, reinterpretations of the Gospels coming out um, and in later on in the spring, and... Uh, I want to be able to talk with him about those. Uh, I did talk to him earlier this year. I mean, last year in the fall, I believe, uh, we talked about one of those. But we're going to talk about all of them again later. But in one of those books, The Gospel of Mark, what he does is uh, delineate the Greek uh, understanding of the word unclean spirit, which is another word used for demons in the New Testament of the Christian Bible. And uh, one of the things that he says there is that, it, and I'm not going to say it just like he said it, but he, what he's basically saying is that it, uh, an unclean spirit is an unresolved catharsis, that something has not catharted enough to resolve itself. So what is a catharsis? Well, sometimes when we, you know, cry and cry and cry for a long period of time, and then we get through crying, and it seems like everything's peaceful, and it seems like we've got new insight, and we've got new understanding about ourselves and about life, and things seem to have settled into a new place inside of us, that's a catharsis. That's what, what a catharsis is. It's like a transformation that occurs as a result of experiencing deep emotion. And um, so what he's saying with that is the unclean spirit is something that has never had that catharsis, and so it can't come to new insights. It can't come to new understandings. It can't come to that settled place inside of ourselves. And 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 so it's not a, a real, you know, devil. It's not some kind of, um, you know, entity that enters into us and speaks to us and tempts us and, you know, hangs around with a tail, a forked tail and a pitchfork. It's, it's really not a... a a real entity at all. It's just a part of who we are. And uh, J- uh, Charles Fillmore talks about that as well in his book, uh, The Metaphysical Bible. He talks about that that the devil is not a real entity at all, but rather a, uh, a, a spirit within us that uh, leads us to untruth. It gets us to a place where we accuse ourselves of not being the divine beings we are. And uh, if you look at the root language of the words that are used, you find that same meaning in the text itself, the root language of the text itself. So uh, so we're not talking, when I say inner demons, I'm not talking about some real devil here, some real entity, some real personification. What I'm talking about is our own unresolved material. So that's what comes up, and it seems to block us. It, it seems to be in the way. And so what do we do with that? Well, 
I think what we have to do first with it is receive it. We have to know it and love it and understand it and and receive it. So, uh, so let's say you have a block that says that you don't really believe that you uh, can accomplish the things that you set out for your goals. You don't really believe that. So you set out the goal. That's the one thing that you're doing, and you're really trying to visualize that. You're really trying to believe that you can do it. But there's this other voice inside of you that just says, no, you can't do that. You, you don't deserve that. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. All kinds of those kind of really hostile inner voices that come up to us. That's an inner demon. That's an unresolved material. So if we just go at that and do, try to duke it out with that, well, nothing's going to change. It's just going to stay over there saying the same old things, and we're going to stay over here saying the same old things, and nothing's going to change. But if we think of it in terms of, uh, of uh, receiving it, then it becomes some unresolved material that we can look at and go, oh, well, that's something that I took in as a child perhaps, and interjected and thought that was true and I believed it and now it's almost like a computer chip in my brain that won't that just keeps repeating the same mantra over and over and over again you're not worthy you're not worthy you're not worthy you're not worthy and therefore there's a belief in me that says it's not worthy well I think that's the first step is to take it in and just really receive it and go okay I'm going to hear you I'm going to listen to you I'm going to I'm going to give you room to talk. I'm not going to try to push you away. I'm going to really try to hear you. And as we do that, what begins to happen is it begins to speak, and we begin to understand it better, and we allow it so to be like a little child who comes and sits in our laps and complains and says, you know, life is really hard for me, and I I don't think I deserve much, and I I think that I'm going to be punished a lot, and I, I think that life is just, you know, just really hard. And so um, that child is allowed to speak. And we're allowed to love it. And we love it and love it and love it. And it begins to feel loved and it begins to feel um, taken care of. And so that it doesn't feel as unworthy as it used to feel. And it begins to resolve. And that's that. That's where we begin to meet that center point. Now, I've met both, taken both sides and put them together instead of trying to fight, continue to fight with each other. Um uh, and, you know, if we, the, the more we can do that, the more we can also begin to understand, uh, as we understand where we come from, we develop a capacity for what's called self-empathy. And self-empathy is where we walk a mile in our own shoes, where we're able to really see where we came from, why we feel the way we do, why, where these old voices come from. And we begin to be able to, to say, okay, I, I understand that part of myself now. So many times when I'm working with people, uh, on a, as I do on a daily basis, I, I, I run into this comment, I don't know why I do what I do. Uh, and they come to therapy and they hope that I'm going to tell them why they do what they do. <laughs> that I'm going to just go, well, here's why you do what you do. <laughs> and uh, that I'm going to know. And really, I can't know because I'm not inside them. Uh, so I, I might have a few ideas, I might have a few insights, I might have a mirror I can hold up that they can look into and see themselves more clearly, but I don't have the answers. They do. And, and uh, that's a very scary thought for us sometimes, that we have the answers to our problems. We don't want to believe that. We want to believe somebody else has the answers because then we don't have to look for them and then we don't have to take responsibility for them. And, and then it, we, we feel pretty alone when somebody says, well, you've got all the answers. Sometimes we feel pretty alone with that and we feel like, oh, that means I'm just all separate and alone. But that doesn't mean we're separate 
And it doesn't mean we're alone. It just means that the answers are within us. And uh, so we we interpret uh, another meaning added on to that, uh, that we are, we have the answers inside of us. So the answer is found by its feeling content. So uh, if I find an answer, if I find something that gives me, it may give me a great deal of pain, but simultaneously it gives me a sense of peace, then I know I've found the answer. Um, if I... If I find uh, something that gives me uh, a great deal of pain, but there is no peace with it, then I haven't yet found the answer. Peace is one of the strongest indicators that we've found something of, of the authentic self. Uh, peace is, is that gentle, warm sense inside of us that just says, oh, okay, I can relax into that. I can breathe into that. I can, I can be whole into that. I can be present with that. And it's a, just a, a, a warm deep feeling sometimes in your heart sometimes in your belly but it, it, it feels like you've you've come to something true and when we have that feeling we know it most people will know it most people go oh yeah that that just feels right that resonates with me that feels right uh, and that's what they'll say and what they're doing is referencing that peace that comes over us when we've touched on a truth so truth and treat uh, and peace are buddies inside of us and we we can you know count on the the uh, the truth that comes with peace so our inner demons then can can give us an opportunity to come to that peace to come to new awareness that gives us uh to gets us to a place of resolve because what they force us to do is have to have to work with that old material that is unresolved inside of us um and and so you know the source of uh, of these inner demons is just stuff that's unresolved inside of us. It's as I said, it's not a real devil. It's not. There is no such thing as real demons, but there are there are um, actually energies inside of us that can manifest within us and without us that really do cause an opposition within us and and are very frightening and very limiting and very frustrating and very controlling and uh, so we have to work with that and so these are all the ways that an opposition can come to help us they come to talk to us about reality they don't come to talk to us about fantasy fantasy is a is this is the idea that I can have anything I want anytime I want it all I have to do is either pray for it or think positive about it or you know, uh, it's just going to come my way in some kind of magical way, and I won't ever have to force face any opposition. Everything's going to go very pleasantly. And, you know, I want that life, too. We all want that life. We all want that life where everything is just pleasant. I'm going to come back next life, and I'm going to have a vacation life where all I do is, you know, play and have fun and entertain myself and other people and do compassionate and good things for other people and kind things for other people, and I'm just going to have that kind of life next time instead of life that's had some trouble in it. But, but most of us have a life that has some trouble in it. And the trouble is, generally speaking, in opposition. And it's, an, it's another opportunity for us to come to know ourselves at that deeper level. Because it forces us to have to work with an opposing energy. An energy that seems to be in conflict with who we are and what we want. An energy that seems to not like us. An energy that seems to be trying to hurt us. And we have to work with that. And so when we, when we do the work what we can come up with is a, a whole new understanding of who we are as a whole being. When we do the work, what, what we can come up with is a, a, a beautiful rendition of the soul, 
because now we get to know that deeper part of ourselves because we've been forced to have to look at it. Now, is it possible for somebody to go through an opposition and never change? Absolutely. We see it every day. People can just blame the opposition or blame the divine or blame God or blame, you know, other people or just be the perpetual victim. They can do that. And that, you know, that may be what they need to do for several lifetimes. If that's what they need to do, okay. But what I want to do is I want to take an opposition and turn it into one of my best friends so that it becomes an opportunity for me to grow and for me to understand myself at a deeper level and for me to become more aware of myself as that divine being that I am. So it enhances the divinization process, and we all are going to participate in it so we can choose. We can either keep doing what we've always done, looking for different results, or we can try to see if there's a way to take this energy and use it for transformation. And that's our choice, and that's our show for today. We'll be back again next week, and remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week 